What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bucks. And sadly, Summer League is over and it didn't end in rings for the Las Vegas Bucks. And while we're in a little bit of mourning about the way that Summer League ended, we're going to break it down. We're going to talk about all the key guys that people are interested in. Uh, what are the takeaways uh, from Summer League? It's also a very important anniversary today and there'll be more important anniversaries over the next few days. What does that mean? Let's find out. <laughs> Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win me on the show monday to friday uh, for a few more weeks i think august we're gonna bring it back to about three shows per week uh i need to rest the voice uh, but in the meantime watch us on youtube get us wherever you get your podcast alongside me the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast frank madden of course we thank you for making locked on bucks uh your first listen or your first watch of every day and we appreciate all the subscriptions coming through on YouTube as well. Uh, it's, it's not like you have to pay for it. You just have to click a button. So you guys should all just get on board and do that for us. We really appreciate it. Uh, Frank, before we get started here, we need a little shout out for our friend Dan Schaefer. He sent uh, us a note the other day. And uh, so I'm just going to read the tweet because you probably have more info than me. But Milwaukee Record and the Recombobulation Area, which is Dan's uh, fantastic uh, website slash blog slash whatever you want to call it, but it's fantastic anyway. Newsletter, yeah. Newsletter. They're joining forces to celebrate the one-year anniversary of the greatest moment in Milwaukee sports history. There's going to be a rewatch of Game 6, which everyone would love to go and do together with a bunch of other Bucks fans at, uh, what, what is this place called? Cooper, is it Cooper Age? Cooperage. Cooperage. Cooperage, Cooperage Milwaukee. Uh, so make sure you go check it out and go support our friend Dan and Basically, more importantly, just go over a few beers, a few froffies, and watch the Bucks win a title. Doesn't get any better than that, Frank. I'd probably I'd go if I was in the area. Yeah, it was actually it, it had me thinking of um, maybe getting a couple of my local Bucks buddies here in Austin together to yeah to do a watch. We we actually had said last summer we were going to do that at some point. Just you know, rewatch uh, rewatch game game six, and um, I know the last week or so right since we are now in sort of the year anniversary period of the finals uh we've been kind of reliving the the signature plays and today was of uh today being the 17th of july uh of course the the value the the value that we stole right it was the value was that deandre and game winner against the clippers or whatever and then the bucks had a better alley-oop in the valley and we stole the value moniker um but uh, yeah, so hopefully people had a chance to enjoy some of the, you know, reminiscing about game five happening a year ago. And I feel like probably all of us remember exactly where we were watching that game and where we were when Drew Holiday rips the ball away from, from Devin Booker and leads the alley-oop for Giannis. And I actually, I'm, I'm trying to find the pod we did, um, like the tweet from that day. 
Kane, because uh, I wanted to retweet that. Um, I actually listened to part of it this afternoon while I was walking my dog, um, just because I wanted to kind of, I was kind of like, I wonder, what, what were we like in that pod? <laughs> you know, I mean, other than, uh, I mean, you know, there's, there's, I guess, three games from last year's playoff run that sort of stand out as being the ones that we were probably most just, you know, giddy about. And, and obviously game six being the obvious one, but game seven against the Nets and and then game five against the Suns are, are the two others that, that immediately come to mind. And um, it, it was, uh, it was interesting to kind of re-listen to, uh, to us trying to process what just happened while also having to acknowledge that they had not won a championship yet. And now, you know, I, I personally, the next two days, it was this weird combination of anticipation, anxiety, excitement, happiness from game five, all that stuff just kind of mashed into one. And those two days between game five and game six were just some of the longest days, partly because I also flew back to, uh, to Milwaukee for, for game six and had flight delays and, all this stuff kind of happened. I got in at 2 a.m. on on the day of uh, of Game Six. So, anyway, but um, but yeah, um, I feel like we'll be reminiscing about that the rest of our lives. Um, hopefully, we'll have more championships to to uh, to reminisce about as well. But if we only were to get that one, um, what a what a run it was. Yeah, and we got it. Uh, and uh, as we sort of referenced or as we mentioned last week in the pod as well you get these anniversary moments that flash up they take you back there i've mentioned before every now and then i'll go back and watch even just the condensed versions of the the whole games and the net series i've done the same uh but watching the rise movie last week you get the the end of movie they run you through some of the highlights throughout Giannis's career i told you it was, a, it was an emotional moment in the Pittman household of one uh but it, you know, it's still extraordinary to me to go back and like what and watch those highlights, and still something that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. I just didn't think the Bucks were going to win a championship. To go back, even though it was a year ago, even though there's been another NBA you know, champion since then, uh, it's fun. It's fun to do it, and I'm sure I'll be doing it for years. Hopefully, we've got more titles to go. But even if the Bucks win more titles, nothing will be more special than the first one and the unlikeliness of it, or however you want to describe it. Yeah. Um, I mean, in a way where, you know, you could argue about winning a second one would be could You could argue it could be more special because it's harder to repeat, but now 50 years and, <laughs> and not just 50 years of not winning a championship, but not even feeling like you could entertain a championship. And then the last few years building a team that you thought could win a championship, but falling short. Right. I mean, the stress, right. I mean, it, it made me, weirdly appreciate the years when we had no expectations because they were not very stressful. Um, but, uh, thankfully, obviously now we can just look back on it. And, um, again, just so many small plays that happened during that run. You just never know, right. Any championship I think comes down to just guys making big plays at crucial times and, you know, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, the principal guys, but you know, others like, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, just, just so much fun thinking about back to that run. And I think also just about the community that, that came together uh, to support it. Right. I mean, I know Kane, obviously you were uh, half a world away during the run. I was mostly uh, a thousand miles away and then was able to come back for, for the last game. But um, it was cool just to see, uh, to see the fan base virtually come together, but also uh, I mean, I, I still just, uh, 
I kind of get goosebumps still just seeing some of the shots, like when you watch highlights of the Deer District reacting to huge plays and and stuff like that. I mean, it's just uh, just just really cool. So hopefully we'll have more of that again in our future. But um, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, ban- banners fly forever, and uh, I think we'll always. Uh, I, I mean, I still just look at my face where right? I still have this just stupid grin on my face thinking about it, and you know, no no disappointment moving forward can uh, can ever erase that. But anyway, we have. We have really important summer league basketball to get at, uh, Kane, don't we? We need we need to we need to render some verdicts on this ever important last whatever it was ten days from from Las Vegas, don't we? We certainly do. Let's get to summer league, and and let me just quickly one last final point. You brought you brought up something that is important. How ridiculous it is that literally every day thousands of people listen to some guy from Australia and a, and a man that obviously is a local, but now lives in Austin, talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. So let's just acknowledge how crazy these people are that listen to us or watch us. Uh, every day. Let's get to summer league stuff. Before we do, bet online. You got the odds where Donovan Mitchell might be traded. Uh, what do you think, Frank? What's going to happen with Donovan Mitchell here? And then I can uh, give some of the uh, some of the odds for bet online here. I mean, the Knicks just seem like the odds-on favorite, just given kind of yes. the appetite for uh, Mitchell's interest, presumed interest in going to a place like New York. The Knicks kind of big game hunting. Um, some of the personal kind of connections uh, there and the fact that they, you know, they, they took some lumps on draft night for some of the moves, but they have a, a bounty of picks that they could throw at the Utah jazz. And certainly looking at what they did with the Rudy Gobert trade, it does not look like the, uh, that the jazz are looking to, you know, add uh, add proven players per se. I don't, I don't even know if they want RJ Barrett, right. Which you normally would say, Oh, I assume they would want RJ Barrett. They might not even want that, but um, so so we'll see. But yeah, the Knicks kind of by default are, are my assumption. But who knows, right? I mean, it's been interesting just which which trades have happened, and and perhaps just as importantly, which trades haven't happened with all the noise and bluster around KD and Kyrie and those guys. At this point, I don't know. Like, I part of me just looks at that team and is just like, why don't you guys just run it back, get over yourselves, and just. Try to, you know, if you got if KD loves Kyrie so much, like, well, prove it. Just play play with the guy because you actually have a pretty good team if you're willing to sort of stomach his personality. Well, that's a good point you make. And Bet Online has all these latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's uh, Major League Baseball and also uh, NFL, which is right around the corner among other sports. But if you are interested in the Donovan Mitchell markets, the Knicks are the favorites to get uh, Donovan. Mitchell for obvious reasons, then Miami, then Boston, which would be interesting. Then the Nets, as Frank mentioned, the Lakers are in there as well. I don't know how they would do it. And of course, the Warriors there because Golden State can get involved in anything. But go to betonline.net and you can check it all out. It's the fastest and easiest way to check on all your favorite sports and events, uh, including also MMA, boxing and golf. Shout out to Cam Smith, the Aussie. uh, The fantastic win at the Open this morning. The whole country is just, just elated today but head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action that's bet online where the game starts all right back to summer league so done and dusted the bucks finished three and two you know i I don't know what's going on with this schedule i think it's a joke i think the bucks you know if they just if that boston what is Boston just keeps on doing it to us, but that one-legged, off-balance, stupid little runner cost the Bucks potentially a, a championship uh, ring here in Las Vegas. But today's game was a bit of a, let's be honest, I didn't get up at 6 a.m. on Monday morning to watch this game, and I was very glad that I did not do so. I watched on replay. 
and probably the highlight was Flavor Flav on the uh, on the broadcast during the third quarter because there was not much going on at this one. So we probably don't have to break down a lot of this, Frank, but I haven't spoke to you for a few days. Uh, should, let's just start with Bochamp, should we? We should start with the guy that everyone's interested in. I've given my thoughts after the last couple of games. Uh, where are you at leaving Las Vegas with uh, Marjol? Yeah, I mean, um, pretty consistent start to uh, to to his Vegas campaign. Every you know, putting fourteen or six, sorry, fifteen or sixteen in his first three games. Um, last couple of games, scoring numbers went down, but overall, I think obviously, if you're going to take a, a positive from this, you'd say the the three point shooting was was the obvious thing from him. Um, I think we'd all say that's that's really the the swing skill for him, and to look at his. Uh, his Vegas and what he finished 11 of 24, I believe 46% from three actually shot better from three than he did from, <laughs> he did from two. Um, and, uh, you know, had some air balls, but for the most part, I mean, it's a decent looking shot. It's not like a weird, it's like some like weird, ugly form. He's got that kind of somehow goes in. I don't think they need to, you know, re- reconstruct his jump shot or something like that as much as, he didn't shoot well from the NBA line in the G League last year at 27%. Um, you know, it looks like a shot that I don't expect him to shoot 46% as a rookie from three, but um, but you hope that, that that can be something that, you know, maybe he does come in and, and get into the, I don't know, mid-30s. Does that feel greedy? I don't, I don't know if it is greedy um, right off the bat, just especially given the fact that he's not going to be having to take off the dribble three. He's not going to be having to, to do a lot of self-creation given, given who else is on the roster. So, um, so I think that was a, the obvious positive for him, but, uh, and, and just defensively, you know, I think just his size, good feet length, you know, had five blocks in five games. Um, I thought, you know, defensively there were signs of encouragement. Um, but I think we also saw, you know, we saw reasons why, Marjan was not a lottery pick, you know, why he was not taken higher. Again, he's going to be 22 by opening night. Um, I thought his, it's interesting. He was really effective as a transition guy, kind of garbage man in the G League last year. So hopefully we will see more of that uh, come out uh, during the regular season when he's playing on a, obviously with a much taller, much more talented set of teammates. Um, but, you know, he had some, some kind of acrobatic finishes, but uh, you know, you mentioned it the other night with, with Justin and you quoted my comment about him being a two footed leaper. Mm. We saw again tonight, early in this game, he had a transition opportunity and instead of kind of grabbing it and going up strong off one foot, kind of maintaining momentum, he stops, goes off of two feet, gets blocked. And, um, you know, his, his finishing was not, uh, to me was, was not impressive. You know, it didn't look that bouncy. He, he's, he's kind of a smooth athlete, I would say, but you know, in terms of, um, you know, having, you know, like violent explosion attacking the rim and dunking on guys like that, that doesn't look like the kind of guy he, he is. And, you know, again, maybe he becomes more explosive getting into, uh, you know, a consistent NBA uh, strength and conditioning program. Maybe they can improve that a little bit. You know, I think his physical strength, you know, can, can definitely improve, can add some, some weight. You know, I think we've talked about the you know, 15 pounds, maybe he adds to, to get stronger on both ends. So, um, you know, I think there's a, a baseline toolkit there to be a uh, very useful, you know, potentially at some point, maybe a starting uh, wing who can who can be a three and D guy kind of complimentary role playing starter type player. I don't think we saw a whole lot else in terms of evidence that, you know, there was 
much floor game or creation. I think he, you know, really struggled putting the ball on the floor, got stripped a lot, handled did not look very tight. So definitely has a lot of room to, uh, to improve, let's say with, uh, with some of those things, but you kind of come back to what he's going to be asked to do on this team. And it's going to be shoot open threes, defend wings, um, work hard and, you know, just, kind of get on transition try to get easy buckets when everybody else is, you know, trying to stop the other guys. So, um, so I think, I think you'll have it. You know, I think we usually see this, right. As much as people talk about Mike Budenholz are not liking rookies or not wanting to play rookies. I mean, they, those guys pretty much always have get chances, right. Mm -hmm. Um, the the guys who've been, um, you know, first round picks or had draft picks, like they've generally all got chances. It's just a question typically of, do they really make much of those opportunities or, or not? And, um, you know, again, he may not have the longest leash as a rookie, but usually injuries happen at some point, unfortunately. And when we saw last year with Chris Middleton getting hurt in the, pl- in the playoffs, Bucks wing depth all of a sudden looked, looked pretty shallow. We'll see what happens with Jordan Wara. He's still kind of hanging out there. Bucks do have that extra roster spot. How eager are they to, to fill that with with Jordan and carry 15 guys in the regular season, unclear. But certainly if Jordan Warrett isn't back, and I would say Marjan Beauchamp being drafted probably makes it less likely, um, you know, that that could certainly play a part part to it. And obviously, I think regardless, Marjan's defense is gonna, you know, probably <laughs> be something that would tend to tend to get him a little bit more favor with Bud than than the way Jordan defends. But um, but yeah, so I think I mean I'm curious to see what it'll look like in the, in, in, in the preseason, given the Chris, you know, the, the supposed timetable for Chris coming back close to the regular season due to the wrist injury. Um, I would certainly expect to see Marjan get a lot of run in preseason. And so hopefully he can impress and, you know, make an argument for himself to, uh, to get some run in, in, uh, in the regular season. And I, you know, I mean, are they going to be looking to, to play West Matthews a ton of minutes Probably not, right? I think they're probably going to, you know, even if they view Wes as, as a guy that they would rather, you know, Bud would rather st- stick with in, in a playoff environment. You know, I don't think he's going to be playing West 35 minutes a game um, <laughs> during the regular season. So uh, hopefully that means opportunity for Marjan. And, you know, now it's just a matter of seeing exactly how well uh, this toolkit that he has, how well it does it translate. And um, I think I will say this defensively, Getting over screens, I was pretty underwhelmed by some of his work getting over screens. Like there were times where it was like he got screened and it turned into a switch, and I couldn't tell if it was because they were trying to switch or because he just didn't come anywhere close to getting over the screen. Um, and a couple of those today, but a couple of those elsewhere as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of I think work to be done, but certainly the defensive toolkit is good, and um, you know, hopefully that three ball continues to, to be something that he can continue to grow more confident in. And um, again, I don't think it's crazy to think that he might have a role to play this season, but I also would be, uh, as you know, Ken, I'm the perpetual wet blanket when it comes to young players, I would say, let's uh, let's not be too ambitious and say like, okay, let's pencil him in for, you know, playoff rotation minutes at this point. Cause I think we, we got to see a, a little bit more under under real basketball, real and NBA circumstances before I, I would I would certainly go that far. Yeah, cue the YouTube comments saying 
Why is Frank always so negative? Why is he negative? And say, well, you must be new around here, but this is uh, this is the way we operate. Uh, but I will say, for the most part, particularly with Marjon, you've actually been pretty positive overall. I mean, of course, we all like to hope and dream that you get this guy at 24 and straight away he flashes star potential. Like, of course, everyone's like, gee, that would be nice. Uh, but he played like a role player in Summer League, which he's going to have to do in the NBA. But... Uh, you are playing, obviously, with significantly more talented players in the NBA, and maybe that elevates him. Certainly, in that transition game, he should be able to get better opportunities where he doesn't necessarily have to be the player initiating the transition, but he can finish some plays, uh, potentially. So we'll see how it all plays out. And I agree, the defensive stuff that he at least showed makes me believe that he's going to get an opportunity. You kind of swerved a little bit. You didn't bring up this conversation, but it's just been something I've been thinking about. I've seen a lot of people discuss it. So starting lineup. Your point on Wes Matthews makes a lot of sense to me. Remember, he came you know, probably near the halfway point of the season, didn't start until right before the postseason. I, I kind of expect if Grayson Allen returns that he'll just go back in the starting lineup. Did, uh, that's just something I'm assuming is going to happen. Do you fall in that category with that? Yeah, I think we we were messaging with with our friend Eric Name about that, and I think we all sort of came to that general, maybe not conclusion, but that was our our best sort of operating hypothesis that um, you know, if the barring other moves this this summer, that that Grayson is is probably the most likely guy to come back um, as a starter next uh, next fall, and and we'll see, right? I mean, I I think part of it again just also gets to the topic of, you know, who's going to be playing, you know, who, who do you want playing and soaking up all these regular season minutes? And, you know, with, with Wes, I think Wes would be my default person right now as the guy that I would most want to start if you had to go play against the Boston Celtics in a first round series tomorrow. But, you know, you're not going to have to do that for, you know, at least uh, whatever, 10 months uh, from, from now. So, um, so I, I, I Again, I, I think that that's the obvious spot. Still, I think you've got four starters penciled in at this point. Three, three with with black ink. Uh, Brooke Lopez, you might. I think you can probably say, barring injury, you would assume obviously that would be very shocking if Brooke Lopez was not starting at center this fall too. And I'm not. I don't think Brooke Lopez is going to get traded, but just because of injuries or whatever, right? Um, you know, Bobby played very well with Giannis during the regular season. But I think, you know, they realize their bread and butter is is with Brooke playing as a starter. And again, maybe he doesn't play as many minutes this year, yeah. but, uh, you know, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. But um, but yeah, I think the the shooting guard spot is the obvious one to watch going into camp. And, you know, I think it's probably Grayson Allen's spot to lose. But certainly there's going to be other guys that you can make arguments for. I mean, we never talk about Pat Connaughton. Arguably, Pat is their best shooting guard type player. Um you know, just given the balance of offense, defense, uh, and the like, and the guy that, you know, gave you huge minutes in fourth quarters of a, of a title run. But, you know, we've just sort of seen that Bud's preference is typically to, to bring him off the bench. So, um, so yeah, I mean, you could, again, I, I, I will allow people to make their arguments for Marjan Beauchamp as the role-playing fifth starter. I don't think that's going to happen unless, you know, he really shows – a lot in camp or, you know, other guys get injured, whatever it might be. Uh, 
but that said, there's there's obviously a number of different directions you can go, and you know the the expectations of that are just obviously you you have a bit of a luxury of of not having to start a guy that can do everything well necessarily. There's a lot of things that go into this, and I don't want to jump the gun when we do the over and under podcast in a couple of months' time. Over or under seven point five starts for Marjan Bochan. <laughs> It's an interesting one. I, thank you. I'll go. I'll go under. I mean, Jordan Warris probably started what four or five yeah. games or something like that. I mean, you know, it, it, stuff can get really funky, especially if if Chris, for instance, were to get hurt. Things could get really funky with the the small forward starters. So um, I, I wouldn't rule anything out. I'd probably lean under, but um, you know, I, I hope it's under just because to me that means that Chris Milton uh, stays yeah. healthy most of the year, but. Um, but you never know, right? We, we've seen, obviously, that the best laid plans go out the window when, uh, when you have a bunch of injuries. Yeah, that's why I thought 7.5 at least takes into account a few of those end-of-season games where he might sneak a start here or there. Uh, all right, Mamu obviously had a stinker today, no doubt about that, as did most of the guys, and they spread the minutes far and wide with some guys that hadn't really played in summer league uh, basketball so far. Uh, overall, though, he was, he was pretty bloody impressive. Across the the first four games of summer league, there's no doubt about that. We've certainly questioned whether he, he was playing a role that he will ever play in the NBA. Probably not. Uh, and it's also just really difficult for him, uh, as you've sort of pointed to a number of times. With his size, he's really a four. So you've got a big fella uh, that's taken up a fair bit of the minutes there. We've mentioned Brooke and Bobby and the small ball stuff. So uh, clearly, I think he's improved. Do you see outside of a situation we don't want to imagine with health any way that he could crack into some kind of role with this team? It seems like it's going to be a tough proposition. Yeah, pro- probably. Um, I, I think we talked last week about just the the splits that he had at, at power forward versus center and, and you know how disastrous the on-off numbers were with, with him at center versus... Um, they were at least looking to sort of stay afloat when he was playing power forward. Um, so I, I, you know, I, it's just tough with the numbers game. And I think some of the same caveats you would, you would apply to, to Marjan at the three, apply to Mamu at the four or five, you know, it's just, again, when healthy, there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot of role. I think for, for, for Sandra, I don't think there's really much of any role for him when the bucks are healthy, but um, you know, I, again, is he going to get, a chance at some point. I, I assume he will probably, and probably honestly, the better scenario for him would be probably if he gets minutes because Bobby's hurt, not because Brooke is <laughs> Brooke is hurt. Mm. Cause if he's having to play with, uh, you know, Bobby and, and even Giannis, I mean, his, he didn't play a lot with Giannis last year, I think 76 minutes, but they were super terrible when when those two are together again it's like should they be terrible when those two guys play together like i feel like yana should be able to cover up for a lot in terms of mamu's uh, defensive limitations but um but i do think again as we said i think physically he just is gonna be able to be hidden better um when he's when he's at the four defensively and on the flip side you know offensively would you rather have his skill set of the five than the four yeah right i mean i i would say yes but i think what we saw at least last year is the defensive issues were just so big that whatever benefits there were potentially to having his skill set at the five just 
just didn't, you know, didn't come close to, to kind of evening that out. But, you know, give him credit. I mean, he was a rookie, right? There's a steep learning curve. A lot of those minutes early in the season came when the Bucks were missing more than just, you know, Brooke Lopez, right? They were missing Chris Middleton or they were missing Drew during periods, right? Uh, Giannis was out with COVID when he got minutes then. So, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to see if he does get minutes. Um, you know, can he give you much more of, a, you know, a, a competent, at least defensive um, performance? And, and again, I don't think it's because of a lack of effort. So that's that's obviously, depending on how you look at it, a good or bad thing, right? The fact that he tries and they're really bad at defense um, or the fact that at least you don't feel like he's ever going to be a guy that, you know, half asses it or you know, hurts you because he's not taking it seriously or kind of taking the craft seriously. So, um so yeah, I, let's just say whatever the over/unders are for for Mamu, I, as much as I feel like he was sneaky good offensively last year and carried over a lot of that to summer league, I, I just you know I, I hesitate to uh, to to expect you know a breakout season for him, and especially coming in as a two-way guy, obviously you know there's some limitations on how much he can play at 50 games, and he wouldn't be playoff eligible. So we'll see. They can obviously still convert him um, between now and obviously later next season. But at least for now, kind of the the onus is on him to really make the Bucks have to play him. And certainly some some encouraging signs in Vegas, at least. But uh, you also expect second year guys, obviously, to, to also have a, a bit of a bump regardless. All right. Final really thoughts here from Summer League. And there's a number of guys maybe you want to bring up here, Frank, we've discussed the the fact that as it currently stands, there is a roster spot, but also the two ways Mamu has won, AJ Green has the other. Lindell Wigginton was, you know, arguably the Bucks' best player in Vegas. Uh, Luca Vildoza got hurt, didn't play the last two games, but I didn't think was all that impressive in the first few games that he played as well. So are you feeling strongly about anything to do with Lindell Wigginton, this second uh, two-way spot with AJ Green? Is there anything else that really grabbed you? I mean, I think you you made the point, I think, last week. I, I just don't really see why A.J. Green has a two-way spot. Like, you know, why the Bucks gave A.J. Green a two-way, the practice, basically the night of the draft, right? Um, still is just sort of weird to me because I just, you know, I think you, you said it last week, he just doesn't seem like the kind of guy that profiles to being kind of a breakout future NBA rotation type guy. And that's extremely hard to find with the two-way spots. So let's yeah. be clear, right? Like it, you know, most guys, whether it's Mamu, Wigginton last year, most of these guys are never going to be, you know, playoff rotation guys. It's, that's just extremely hard to find. But it just seems with A.J. Green, you look at his numbers in, in Vegas, he comes, you know, shot out of the cannon, hitting all those threes in the first mm-hmm. game finishes at 33% over the five games hit uh, nine out of, uh, 27, I guess. Um, that's fine, you know. Um, but why you would waste? Well, I don't say waste, but why you would spend a two-way spot on on a guy that, again, just does he look like he's going to defensively hold up um, against NBA level competition? Does he do stuff other than you know uh, shooting the ball well when he's uh, when he's kind of got his feet set? I just don't see it. So, so again, I mean, I, I think I made some Bronson Koenig jokes 
when uh, when they first announced this signing. And you guys may recall Bronson Canning was the guy the Bucks signed their first two-way. I guess it was the first year that they had two ways. And then a few months later, I think, realized their their folly <laughs> and cut him loose before the season started. And, um, you know, I mean, that's the upside, I guess, of, of two ways is, you mean, you know, it's not like they're uh, they're going to take a big luxury tax hit if uh, if they cut AJ Green loose and and give Lindell Wigginton the other two way spot, which, again, I think I think this type of environment is well suited to a guy like Lindell Wigginton because he's got the ball in his hands and he's a shoot first guard and uh, he, he has the ability to kind of look for his own shot. But by the same token, you know, 54 percent from the field, 46 percent from three almost five assists a game, 18 points per game in 25 minutes. I mean, the guy played well, right? And did have four turnovers per game, but, you know, as you said, he was arguably the Bucks' best player. And uh, does he profile like a guy that would fit well with the Bucks and their better players? Not really, because he's really not a shooter as, as much as he shot the ball well here, right? He's more of a kind of put the ball in his hands and, and go make plays, uses athleticism. Um, but, you know, he at least has some physical tools that, that again, I think – that's more of what I would look for in a guy that you roll the dice on, whether it's a second round pick, whether it's a two way guy, or as we've talked about, even a first round pick, right. I, I would generally bet on physical tools, makeup um, versus, you know, just like a singular skill set, like shooting is as valuable as, as shooting is, especially on the bucks. So, um, so yeah, my, my quick takeaways, AJ green, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really see it. Uh, Luca Vildoza got hurt, so we didn't see him the last couple of games. But I mean, an NBA roster spot for him, like again, this kind of chaotic environment is that a great you know scene for for him to to really show what he can do? Maybe not, but he didn't look like he was going to be a, a, you know a good defensive player at the NBA either from from what we saw in Vegas. So Vildoza, uh, AJ Green, I, I, don't, I don't really see it with those guys. Um, Ray John Tucker, I mean. Mm. Again, physical tool-wise, I think he's got way more than he's certainly much more like Wigginton um, than those other guys in terms of just having like NBA athleticism. I mean, Rajon's obviously bigger than um, than Wigginton, but I think you know Rajon's also obviously not a like a real ball handler, point guard type, um, and really didn't didn't play particularly well. Didn't really shoot much in in Vegas, which I thought was kind of interesting, but had some flashes of defense. I think he's one of those guys who, if he was three inches taller, would definitely be an NBA player, but just Again, when I saw him get some random minutes with the Bucks late in the season, that was one of the things that jumped out at me. Just comparing to what he looked like when he was at the herd versus playing in the NBA, he just looked smaller. You know, he just mm. the, his his lack of you know kind of proper wing size just kind of jumped out a bit more and just became a little more obvious, even with the athleticism that he has. So, um, so again, I, you know, he's listed at six three. Feel like he plays a little bit bigger than that, but. Um, you know, I, again, as we said, I don't think he's got, uh, you know, room room for for cracking cracking through with the box. He's going to be 26 um, by the time uh, by the time he uh, the the season starts. So, um, you know, I'd love to see him get a chance elsewhere and kind of figure some stuff out. But uh, yeah, it, let's just say this: I don't think there was anybody in Vegas. I, I'm, I'm like banging on the door, uh, you know, trying to figure out John Horst's phone number to convince him to give a two way spot or an NBA roster spot to. This felt more like kind of garden variety. These guys are playing in summer league for a reason. And um, we'll see if the Bucks have any other potential options with uh, with their last roster spot or or with their their two way. But um, I, I definitely didn't wasn't wasn't wowed by by any of these kind of other guys that we saw. And 
perhaps most notably not allowed by by AJ Green, the guy that actually does have that second two way. Yeah, it's difficult when you're a contender as well, and there's just not many roster spots there. That's why there was so much fascination, obviously, with Marjan Bochamp. The Bucks haven't had a first round pick for for quite a while for us to at least watch and see if they can crack a a real rotation. So it's just a difficult spot. And we even saw that with Hugo Basson, who we haven't really mentioned because he just barely played. And when he played, he looked a little bit rushed. He did look small. Um, so it, it wasn't a, a, a great showing there for Hugo either, who didn't, as I said, didn't get a, a lot of opportunities. So I think overall, some intriguing stuff with Marjan to, to carry through to uh, preseason. I'm sure we'll see him play in preseason, which will probably come around pretty quick. It's honestly about 10 weeks away. So uh, that will be uh, good fun. Uh, should we wrap this up, Frank? Nothing else to get off your chest? Um, I'll just say quickly, the Pat Connaughton deal, you know, we kind of, I think when, when he opted in, we sort of said, Hey, there's going to be an extension here later in the summer when, when he's extension eligible, we saw that last week. I, I just haven't been on I think since, since that happened. Um, and so I, I honestly, when he, when he locked in the 5.7, my, my first thought was, cause I, I, I think my placeholder going into the summer for his new, a new deal, if he opted out was, was three years, call it 27 and a half. I think I started at like eight and a half or something like that was, was what I put in my, uh, my, uh, my little cap spreadsheet. Uh, so the extension is, is, you know, only a million over that. So it's pretty closely aligned with sort of what, what I expected for a new contract. And you layer that onto the the current deal and, you know, call it four years, 34 million or so is essentially what, what he signed up for. So, and, and you know, per year, uh, no, no arguments here. I, I was very curious if maybe giving the Bucks the opt-in this year, which you know is going to potentially save them if you know if he had signed for eight and a half this year. I mean, you're talking about upwards of twelve, fifteen million dollars potentially they save the Bucks in terms of luxury tax. I was curious if there's going to be more of a de facto kickback to Pat in that new contract. So, you know, I was. Let's just say I was not expecting him to sign for like $7 million a year or something like that. I wasn't expecting him to sign for that previously. Definitely wasn't expecting him to sign for that. Now I was kind of curious, was he going to get like $10 million a year? Um, so I think, you know, a solid bit of business for for both sides. Um, you know, Pat, I think the concern with him is just the age factor. He's 29. Uh, hopefully just with his the way he takes care of his body uh, and the skill he's shown, right? I mean, he, he's not like he's a guy that is is heavily dependent on you know, just getting a bunch of dunks, even though he'll still do that occasionally. And, you know, he, he obviously has a good physical tool set, but, you know, his three-point sh- shooting has really come along the last couple of years. And, you know, just the intelligence with, with which he plays on both ends, obviously has it's been really impressive. So hopefully he ages well. We're going to be having a lot of those conversations with the Bucks. You know, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, now uh, uh, Pat Connaughton as they advance into their 30s. Um, you know, the concern that at some point you will start to see a, a drop off, but with Pat, uh, obviously he's, he's a couple years younger effectively than, than those guys. So, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully two, three more years of, of what we've seen would be great if he, you know, drops off a little bit thereafter. Hey, you know, um, again, for what he's already given this team and, uh, and contributed to a championship run, uh, Pat, Pat's one of those guys that, uh, I'd say his legacy is is pretty well should be pretty well set with the Bucks along with Bobby and you know Brooke Lopez in terms of role players that hopefully will always be well regarded by Bucks fans. Um, but uh, but overall, obviously happy to to have him back. And um, yeah, who who would have thought a couple of years ago with all the fear over over his previous contract uh, for him to win a championship be such a huge part of that team 
have another good playoff run this year and uh, and now get a, a hefty new raise, nice new contract. Um, just, these are nice stories. It's nice that we can be happy about these guys getting paid and, and sticking around and obviously shout out to Pat and, um, you know, just uh, hopefully keep keep doing what he's been doing. And just as we know, incredible character guys as well. They're at the Vegas and carrying on and cheering both Bobby and Pat, who have just got those extensions. So uh, familiarity in the locker room is clearly going to be a theme next year with all these guys that uh, have come back. And as we say, no drama at the Bucks, which is what we what we love as well. Uh, check out the Locked On NBA podcast. There is more stuff going on around the wider NBA with potential trades and all those types of things. So Locked On NBA. Uh, we'll have you covered. Andy Larson's coming on the podcast tomorrow. He's a beat writer for the Utah Jazz. We can talk about Joe Ingles a lot. And we're also just going to say, what is going on in Utah? Because he <laughs> is just fascinated that his job has been covering this team. He was supposed to be a contender for so long. And now they're clearly on the other end of the scale. So Andy will be uh, good fun. We'll talk about Joe and the Jazz and everything else in between. So if you have any questions about Joe Ingles, you can put them in the, the YouTube comments or you can hit us up on Twitter and we'll, uh, we'll fire them at Andy tomorrow. So that should be a lot of fun. You think Andy, Andy must be happy that he can talk about something other than Don Mitchell trade scenarios yeah. and Rudy Gobert postmortems. Right. I mean, uh, I feel like most jazz fans still enjoyed looking back on the Joe Ingles era. So I'm, I'm definitely really curious. I, I'd love to get Andy's take on, especially kind of Joe's defense and where it was prior pre pre injury. Right. Cause that's probably, um, to me, the biggest question just is, you know, how well is he going to look coming back defensively and um, and what were we are seeing kind of pre-injury, which obviously Andy was was watching him night in and night out. So um, really glad we're going to have him on and get some get some Joe Ingles intel. You you know, Kane, we, we, we had you in Australia uh, in the same building as Joe Ingles, um, you know, but he doesn't like you. So he probably just thinks you're annoying. So um, it's just too bad. We're going to have to go to some third parties to, to try to get some some Joe Ingles takes. I'm not good at my job, am I? I just couldn't get, just could not get it. Done. You should have, you should have gotten Joe Ingles' take on Joe. How good was your defense before the injury? Frank Madden wants to know: Can you play? Can you defend a Jason Tatum ISO, or are you going to look like uh, a warmed-over corpse coming back from that ACL? You, you couldn't. You, I mean, easy questions to ask, Kane, and you just, you just couldn't come through for us. We were literally on live TV and I was breaking down Joe Ingles coming to the box and he was sitting two steps away from me, probably listening to me talk about him and it was very uncomfortable, but hopefully I said all positive things. But he didn't want to eat, you know, he wanted to take photos with uh, his many fans in Australia. He didn't want to sit down for an interview, which, uh, fine, it's the off season. Uh, I, I, I can respect that. Um, but anyway, we'll see what Andy has to say. As you said, he's watched him certainly closer than even I have. So he'll be able to fill us in with that. So make sure you check out that podcast. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see what else comes up over the next few weeks. It's, it is the, we're about to enter the absolute depths of the off season here. But we'll keep it rolling with podcasts. We appreciate the support. And uh, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.